Welcome to a bonus episode of Blind Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have a special feature of a Penji Masterclass series that we've been doing directly on Penji.co's website, where we talk about entrepreneurship, the highs and lows, in particular this episode, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. The highs of entrepreneurship are extremely high, but the lows are extremely low, and you know what I'm talking about if you are an entrepreneur. Like everything else in life, there are peaks and valleys. In this episode, I wanted to focus on how others are able to communicate their stress and fix the low points that they are currently experiencing in their life and being able to get themselves out, holding themselves accountable, creating different processes and setting a strict regimen for you to follow in order for you to get to the highest points. We have two seasoned veterans. Actually, we, we have... I would say two different sides of the coin here. We have a relatively young and new entrepreneur, Tufam, from Cafe Roasters. And we also have a seasoned entrepreneur, Jen Groover, who has grown businesses to over 10 million. And hearing the comparisons of the relatively young entrepreneur that is green to the world of entrepreneurship and a more seasoned veteran when it comes to running businesses, creating them, processes and procedures. Um, The two together, I think, has a perfect marriage and balance of you being able to understand, um, if you're not an entrepreneur already, how to get out of those, those low points in your life. Let's get right to today's Penji Masterclass talking about the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us on this live webinar. Today's topic is the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And I have two incredibly strong women on this panel uh, that I'm going to allow to introduce themselves very shortly. But before we begin, we have to go through a little bit of housekeeping just to make sure that we're fair to everybody. Uh, Number one, this is a live webinar. And so if you have any questions or any comments, and if you want to just say hi, uh, drop a comment on this thread and we'll answer them at the very end of this episode. Uh, And if you're here to get value today uh, from these incredible guests, it would mean the absolute world if you could just share or tag a friend directly in this this post. Um, And then as for the panel, we have two rules. Number one, be respectful. And number two, try not to piggyback. It's incredibly easy to piggyback, um, but we try to make it as fair as possible. I'm sure you guys are incredible, but we have to lay the ground rules first just to make sure that we're all clear. Our goal for this webinar is to help business owners and professionals navigate entrepreneurship and business. So at this time, I'd like to introduce the panel in full. So if you can, please uh, start too. I'll, I'll, I'd like to start with you. Just give us a one to two minute introduction to the audience so they know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Tu Fong. So I'm the owner and co-founder of Cafe Roasters. I'm located in Macon Studios North in the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. Um, to first give you some background about myself, I'm a Vietnamese American, um, raised and still currently live in Albany, which is just about 15 minutes away from Kensington. Um, I graduated from Drexel University, um, and I used to work at 12 Plus, which is an educational nonprofit that partners with under-resourced public high schools in Philadelphia as a college and career advisor before I started um, with my team members, Gaffey Roasters. Um, and to give you background about Gaffey, um, 
We are the first and only Vietnamese specialty coffee roaster in Philadelphia, and we primarily roast Vietnamese coffee, as well as other Southeast and East Asian coffees. And the reason why we're doing that is because, number one, no one else is doing it in Philly. Um, not many people actually are doing it in the United States. Um, they're primarily roasting Latin American and African coffee, and those are all great. Those are all delicious, but we really wanted to focus on Asian coffee and highlight that, champion that, bring that to the forefront, um, helping it enter the third wave coffee industry. Um, and our mission is really to, to promote community engagement through our coffee. Um, and that goes back to kind of the culture and tradition behind uh, the brewing process of Vietnamese coffee. Um, and a significant portion of our profits are donated to 12 plus. Um, and our goal is to create jobs um, and to employ students here at the coffee roastery so that they can have this really positive um, workplace where they can develop a lot of personal and professional skills. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Jen, uh, as a quick um, interruption, have you ever had Vietnamese coffee before? I haven't. I don't believe okay. I have. I, I've been in Thailand quite a few times. Uh, so I might have, not knowing. Yeah. Uh, but not to my knowledge, so I have to get there soon. Vietnamese coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I have to give a quick story about my um, Vietnamese coffee experience. And I've been to Vietnam twice now. Um, number one, it is a staple and it is absolutely mm -hmm. delicious. Um, it's, it's all about the preparation. I'm, too, I'm sure two can go into mm -hmm. it. But I've had two Vietnamese coffees in one day. And I was not only fidgeting for about 15 straight hours, but I stayed up until three in the morning because wow. of how strong this thing is. So if you're ever interested and you need a quick boost, I highly recommend it. Um, but Jen, go ahead. Tell everybody a little bit more about uh, who you are and what it is that you do. I want to say I'm sure it's healthier than drinking Red Bull too. So. <laughs> Probably, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm Jen Groover. I am a serial entrepreneur. Um, my first business, I started back in 1995. Uh, right out of college, I was a fitness professional. Uh, I started a gym, which um, was very much in the infancy of the fitness movement. We then started moving into corporate wellness back then, which also was newly emerging. Uh, I became a national level fitness competitor, worked with Reebok on the aerobics performance team. Then I started shifting a little bit, helping a lot of my clients start their own businesses. So more from just fitness coach to life and business coach, um, helping many people start their companies. And then I, uh, in 2004, wound up having twin daughters, which inspired me for um, an invention called the Butler Bag, which became the first ever compartmentalized handbag, which launched in 2006. Um, we hit a million dollars in sales in the first year of business, which was unheard of for a women-owned company, um, especially in 2006. Now with technology, that's a little bit more common. Um, and then uh, hit 10 million in sales the second year of business, which was really unheard of, uh, way before the Grant Cardone TEDx days. Uh, and then from there, it became a tipping point to start multiple companies, anywhere from fitness to fashion to sports entertainment, sports management, um, 
one of my latest businesses is called Jumpstart Connect, which is pop-up stores for entrepreneurs where we curate all the small business owners' needs and create this accelerated speed dating situation with those business services. So there's face-to-face -face connection and understanding of what each business can do. Um, I also just recently started a company called Industry Impact, which basically piggybacks on my motivational speaking. I've been a speaker for just as long, uh, since 1995, uh, all over the world, teaching people human potential to business and branding. Um, I'm an author as well. Uh, my next book is coming out very soon called The More Method, The Simple Formula to Get More of Everything Good Out of Life. Really taking all of my disciplines that I've learned through the year between physiology and nutrition, psychology, education, uh, metaph uh, metaphysics, quantum physics, and neuroscience, and pulling them all under one formula uh, to thrive at whatever it is that you want to thrive at. So that's that. That's actually a great segue. Do you, do you mind if we if we start yeah. right there? Yeah. Um, because thriving is something that is incredibly important. We all need to do it. And Jen, I'm going to start with you, just because you you brought up the word thrive. Um, the whole purpose of this conversation is to talk about the highs and lows of entrepreneurship and the things that we've experienced and how to get out of it. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, they have these great ideas, but they're not able to thrive. They're not able to execute. So from the basic level of understanding, what are some things that you see in the entrepreneurs that you work with? And um, what are, what are some things that you think that they could be, that they may be missing? Yeah, so I know people always want a technical answer for this, um, but I'm not gonna give it because it's not the truth in my opinion. The answer, the foundation of thriving is mindset. And, and so you could have a great idea, you could work and hustle all day long, but if you have limited beliefs around what's possible, around yourself and your self-worth and conviction and your ability to thrive, um, or scarcity mindset and always this fear around not having enough, not having enough, or fear of not having enough clients, you will continuously sabotage whatever your physical moving efforts are. So my belief is that every single entrepreneur needs to work on their personal development all day, every day. Committed time, at least an hour every day, to starting your day off with rituals that enhance your belief systems, mm. that challenge old belief systems so you can shift to new ones. Uh, physical well-being is important as well for mental clarity and productivity. Working smarter than harder is firmly my belief. Uh, and sometimes what I see in young entrepreneurs too is when they're feeling like they're not thriving, they start grinding harder. Uh, instead of walking away, and when I say walking away, I don't mean just abandon the project or abandon the company, but sometimes when we're grinding really hard, we're getting into this anxious state, which creates this energetic downward spiral. And then we start doing things out of desperation and people feel that desperation, especially if you're doing sales calls, you never wanna do a sales call in that state. So sometimes it's simply walking away when it seems illogical to walk away so that you can get new clarity, have a new perspective. It's why people get new ideas when they're in the shower or in their car, because they're in a, a state of more meditative state uh, instead of this grinding thinking, I gotta do, I gotta do. So to me, thriving begins with uh, a consistent growth and positive mental attitude. 
uh, a solution-driven mindset. So things do happen, but and, and it's not all flowery and happy. But when things do happen, being able to stay calm and, okay, how do I solve this problem versus, oh my God, oh my God, uh, will help you thrive. Uh, and having rituals and taking daily action uh, in your personal growth to then affect your professional growth. Very awesome too. I'd like to kind of uh, uh, move over to, to your current state which is full growth mode of cafe and you're absolutely kicking butt. You've been featured in, in a ton of publications and it's just really inspiring to see. So too, could you tell us a little bit more about your growth and the things that you're currently doing uh, in conjunction to kind of what Jen said about that, that mindset? Mm-hmm. Um, what Jen said actually really resonates with me and my past experiences working with students actually because um, as college and career advisors and mentors and advisors to students in these schools um, we really make sure that we're working on this growth mindset and that you know you need to identify these gaps these needs what are your strengths what are your weaknesses identify them um, and then be able to put yourself in a situation where you know that um, you're going to kind of problem solve, right? Because you're not going to be able to get out of that hole if you're not going to sit down, think about what the problem is, what you need to figure out, what is your end goal, um, and figure out the resources that you can kind of reach out to to figure out how to solve that problem. And then also that goes into decision-making, right? Like, are you going to actually take those steps um, are you actually going to reach out to those resources and ultimately figure out how to figure out that problem, you know? Um, and I really brought that to the beginning stages of GAFE in that, you know, it was just myself and my two other business partners, but I'm running the daily operations of the coffee roastery, you know, I'm roasting the coffee. I'm handling the social media channels, I'm meeting with these potential wholesale clients and um, a bunch of other things, you know, starting up a small coffee roastery. And um, there are moments where I, I feel as if, you know, I'm not thriving and it's because I'm not sitting down, I'm not figuring out what actually I need to do in order to feel as if I am thriving. So with these publications that you mentioned, um, I realized that in order to get um, press, it was to really be a part of this Vietnamese coffee movement that is so small, so niche, um, connect with those other entrepreneurs um, and really amplify our message along with their message and create this community so that there can be, you know, more awareness about what we're doing, what we're all doing, um, and really kind of amplify this Vietnamese coffee movement. So I think it's really connecting with other uh, entrepreneurs, you know, within your industry, um, who you know is gonna need that connection and also that community in order to kind of rise. Yeah. Well, I could, I could say that my, my, my co-founder is Vietnamese and the minute that he read more about 
what it is that you do and the the niche, I guess, that you could say, uh, he was immediately drawn to it because it's something that hits home. Um, Jen, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your niche because you, in the very beginning, it was very, uh, you started off in the aspect of fitness and you were able to hit it at a time that was on the, the up and up, so to speak. Uh, and then obviously you, um, blossomed and, and spread a little bit more once you're able to master that craft specifically. So can you talk a little bit more about the niche that, that you originally started with and how you were able to own that particular space and inevitably grow into what it is that you're doing today? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people think like serial entrepreneur, how are you doing all of these yeah. <laughs> businesses? And so what I learned, and, and you just said it perfectly, I mastered a craft. And once you master, when, you, when you're launching something, you have to put all your focus and energy into it to give it momentum. But then there is a level of mastery that comes with it. And in my business model, everyone has different business models and end goals. My business model and my end goals never ever to stay in one business for more than three, maybe five years. Because I'm a creative and because I get bored really quickly, I'm always starting something with the intention of someone else to pick it up and run with it. Hmm. So that means you're creating systems that are duplicable. That means you're creating a brand model that somebody else can step inside or you're licensing it. So they already have the infrastructure. Licensing to me is like my favorite part of business model. Because <laughs> uh, then you create something someone else has all the infrastructure bigger than yours and then they run with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and for anyone listening, if you don't understand licensing, it is one of the most powerful things to understand because a lot of businesses never think to explore what the possibility is in licensing because they just don't know enough about it. But whether it's a product like I have with the Butler bag or service, or even now, like today, I'm about to go do a deal with all of my emotional intelligence content where someone's licensing the content. And I'm training trainers to take my content and live beyond me without me physically having to do the work. And they buy the content up front and then they pay me yearly afterwards. Uh, and then I get kickbacks every time they certify somebody else to do it. So leverage uh, is so important, but um, I do try to master each thing I learn and I, I dive into it quickly. I don't try and do it over a long period of time. You know, I, a lot of people and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs I see this especially with is um, they think, okay, I, I'll do this now in the fall. But what if you did a little bit every day? How, now by the fall, you would have mastered whatever that is. What if you yeah. study this for an hour every day and put something else or you study it while you're working out every day? Um, and so for me, that's how I like to work. So I attain information quickly and I try not to put it off till the fall if I can do it today. Um, but I see entrepreneurs as artists. Um, and, and if you take the mindset or adopt the mindset of mastering your craft, mastering how to do something, you can keep building and, and shifting throughout. And that's really what I did. I kept building and shifting. So I started off in fitness but then I was like, wait, I built this business and all these other people want to build businesses too. I could teach them how to do that. And then once I did that, I went on QVC and I learned another model there. And then I invented a product that I brought onto QVC. So just because you pick one 
lane in the beginning doesn't mean you have to stick in that lane and stay there forever. That's like a job in my mindset. Um, but how can you keep building and shifting as this, as the culture and, and the economy shifts? Yeah. I, I think one thing that comes to my mind when you talk about all this is yes, you could do all these things. You can do them well, but the hardest part in my eyes is the organizational process. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit more, Jen, about your organizational process because you have to keep all of these somewhere and it can't just be in your head. Yeah. So can you expand a little bit more? And then too, I'm going to ask you the same, almost the same exact question about organization. So Jen, just tell us a little bit more about um, how to be organized and what works really well for you. Yeah. So it starts honestly, and this is going to sound almost too simple, but I take this for granted that everybody thinks this way and acts this way, but it literally starts with a daily to-do list. Mm. Like literally every day writing everything you need to do down and having for me i need the notebook if i put it in my phone i lose it I, it's, this sits in front of my face all day so i'm constantly task oriented to cross things off and and i it's of great value to me to cross things off the list um so in the beginning of the week i have my week's goals and then i break it down into the, the, the daily goals so if something on this list doesn't get done today it gets moved to tomorrow and so that's how I keep track of my progress and what I'm doing. So that's a daily action. From a long standpoint action, I have flow charts where I'm looking at a board and in the center is me. That's the core of my brand. But then there's spokes coming off and then there's all my other businesses, brands and, and projects so that I can see them every day and think, what do I need to do, if anything, to work on that today? What do I need? So I can constantly checking in. If I didn't do that, I would lose track of half the things that I'm doing. The key part of that is as I build something, um, is creating systems that are duplicable. What, and technology has allowed that to happen so much more effectively. Um, and keeping track, keeping a log, like literally a diary of those systems, because as we build in our business, we forget some of the simple, most basic things that we do that make the operations work every day. So keeping a diary of it, playbook, I call it a playbook. So that playbook could literally be passed on to somebody else if you're not there or you're selling the business. And then um, also, constantly seeking the right partners to fill your gaps. So my partners aren't equally as good at the things that I'm good at. They're good at everything I'm not good at. And those are the partnerships that I seek. Uh, two of me in any business would be too much of, of the creative. I need the logistics person. Mm -hmm. um, one other part of that organizational process is knowing what you're really good at and, and being honest with what you're not good at. I'm really not good at, you know, in sales, nurturing a pipeline that's going to take a year. So I'll start and initiate the sales because I'm really good at bringing people together, but I always have a backup in any of my businesses to move that pipeline along. And Very so nice. it's really important to know what you're not good at in your organizational process too. Very good. Tua, you, your organizational structure, I'm sure, has to be incredibly meticulous as well because you have the different types of coffee, you have different types of meetings, you have different types of partnerships. So can you tell a little bit more about your organizational process and what works well for you? Yeah, so I really make use of, have you heard of the Kanban method? Yes, absolutely. 
So I take that very seriously. Um, <laughs> Do you use Trello, Asana, or? I actually have it on a wall. Oh, wow. And I use so you like move yep. Okay. And very I have cool. post-its. So it's kind of that physical movement that really makes me feel as if I'm putting work in and mm. things are actually getting done through that kind of physical movement. Mm. So the Kanban method is kind of like a three compartment um, listing. So the first one is going to showcase the tasks that you are hoping to complete. Um, and that can be for a month or two months or three months, however long that you want. But it's, it lists everything that you are hoping to have done. The next uh, list would be what you're doing now. So you would move whatever you have on the task list over to the doing list. And that shows you or your kind of your partners or whoever's in your team um, that you're in the process of doing something. And then the final list is if you've completed it or not. And that to me keeps me super accountable. Um, it also keeps me aware, the entire team aware, aware about where everybody is at. Um, so there isn't really kind of like, did you do this? Did you do that? It's really just, it's there. Everybody knows that it's there. Um, and there's kind of that accountability to move things over. Mm. Um, and then it also, uh, I think, in initiates conversation if something isn't moved over. Um, so it creates accountability for other people. But the Kanban method is, I think, very, very, um, very useful to me and our team. I also think that Google Calendar, um, I don't use a... Um, a notepad anymore or a planner anymore. Um, I don't think I can function with that anymore. I just function like so electronically now. Like I need those kind of updates on my phone that like, you know, you have 10 minutes in order to get into this meeting or you have 30 minutes to get ready for this. I really need that, you know, automatic oh. reminder um, as well along with the Kanban. Um, so that really helps me stay organized in our team. I feel like I'm a cross between the two of you where I have a list, but like, as you can see, I've had this for about, it's kind of dark, but like, um, so I've had this book for probably about three months and I'm on the first page. Um, <laughs> and so you can see, I, I want to use it. I have it in theory, but I'm just not able to do it. However, I'm so reliant on technology. So like, I'm, I'm like the brainchild of the two of you. Um, do you, do Jen, do you use, um, like, is there any form of technology that works? Like what I, well, actually maybe, maybe I'll go this route. You have, I guess, two people on different sides of the extreme. Um, have you found it difficult or why does writing things down on a notepad work well for you the same way that the Kanban method works well for two. So Jen, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think, I think it's the, the time, the time frame I was raised, right? Mm. So we're, my brain was taught to process by writing things down and, and just like two, like I have flow charts everywhere and I move post-it notes around because it's tangible. I can see it. When things like, I'll use Trello too for a lot of um, projects, but I don't feel like I can see the whole picture and that bothers me. Um, I do have the, the reminders. Uh, my whole phone is set up with 
alarms all day long um, that I become, I've become very reliant on the alarms, but I still need to touch and look at something. And there is a lot of research behind the act of writing something down and how well you remember it. And when I tried to move everything over digitally, I literally was forgetting everything, like everything. I was forgetting meetings left and right. I didn't feel like I had a full grasp of what my day looked like in my brain. And that's the same way I get it with like Trello and some of those other apps that I use with other people who need that. Um, it just feels like effort to me to go into these systems versus look at something on a wall or in a notebook. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I want to uh, segue the conversation into something that is near and dear to my heart. And I believe uh, that if you are able to obtain this, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship is going to be much more manageable. And that's sales. So Jen, you grew your company from zero to a million in a year and one to 10 millions in, in 10 million in, in that, I believe you said two years, right? The second year, yep. Second year, yeah. And and I'm sure that you've been able to duplicate that process for all the other businesses that you've been able to do. I'd love to hear your approach to how you're able to grow businesses and what are some techniques that the people that are listening right now can take away from that they could apply to their business today. And two, I'm going to follow up and ask that exact same question. So I had an incredible branding mentor. Um, when I was very young in my career. And um, he taught me everything is interconnected. Everything pushes to each other. You can't just take one action and expect that action to create a, a significant domino effect without other actions. So Tu mentioned earlier about all the press that she had. So I use press a lot as a, a huge advantage in my businesses, but I can't just get press and assume that that press is going to make this domino effect of things happen. I have to know that that, that press just gave me a lift and a reason to follow up with other things that I've already set in motion. So for example, when I first launched the Butler Bag Company, and it's a brand new company, it's a brand new concept, and I'd walk into boutiques and they'd be like, oh, that's cute, come back later. When, mm. when, you, when you see what happens, basically they're like, we don't really believe in you yet. Mm -hmm. So then I got press and it was, you know, back then Paris Hilton was the it girl and it was in mm -hmm. Us Weekly and I took that press and I went back to every single boutique, showed them the Us Weekly article and they were like, oh, okay. But then it didn't end there. And then I said to them, hey, when you have your display, put this article and every other article that I send you on a display near the bag. But then when someone bought the bag and God forbid there was a problem, we needed to be a customer service and we needed to have them in our database to upsell them things, let them know when new, when new things were coming out, social media to continue to tell our story. Um, so that everything is connected and we use all different strategies from obviously social media to traditional PR to customer service as a sales strategy to, uh, diving into the pipeline. A lot of new customers versus how do we deepen our experience with our existing customers? And, and a lot of people leave a lot of money on the table and not doing that to strategic partnerships. Um, but just remembering that everything is constantly pushing towards each other reminds you to always take an action for an every action that you've already put into place. And, um, you know, when I first launched the Butler Bag Company, social media didn't exist as it does today. It was very 
young and in its infancy. And there would have been probably a ton of advantage of doing social media ads. I don't believe as much in traditional ads anymore. What I believe is the most important thing for every company, the most important thing, is constantly being a good storyteller mm -hmm. in every format that you're communicating your business with people. It's not selling, it's storytelling. Yep, love it. Too, how about yourself? What are some things that have worked really well for you in terms of sales and growth and, and the growth of your company? And what can we do to apply some of the things that you've done um, to our businesses today? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been very kind of blessed in that the very beginning when we won, we actually were able to start because we won a competition called the Kensington Avenue Storefront Challenge that was launched by Chef Capital. And Chef Capital is a socially driven um, real estate company um, here in Kensington. Um, and they were the ones who um, launched the, the competition that we were one of the winners of. And right after that uh, competition, um, there was kind of a year that we needed to take in order to you know, figure out our lease. I also needed to finish my time at 12 plus. Um, so um, we were thinking of ways, you know, how do we break, create our brand in this kind of year of really not having a space yet um, because we were still working on the lease. And that was when I kind of started the Instagram. And luckily, right when I started the Instagram and Facebook and our social media channels, um, Shift Capital has connected us to this three-month uh, pop-up that was organized by Little Giant Creative um, called a dream deferred Philadelphia and that was really the jump start of when we were able to build this really strong brand of us and build really organic followers um, which I think is really important um, so we were there running um, a cafe where we were able to uh, test out our product for the first time and get constructive feedback about our product um, and we were having conversations with these people who were coming in for the exhibit as well as just checking out our coffee and um, that was really important because and I think really helpful for any new business because having these conversations with customers um, um, really creates that meaningful relationship and mm -hmm. that makes um, makes them know that you're invested in them just as much as, you know, they're going to, just as much as like, you know, they're going to take out the time to visit you to buy your coffee, you know, and it's not just a transaction. It's more of like, you know, are they going to come and support you because of your product mm -hmm. um, or also because of your mission? Mm. And for us, we have that social mission attached to us. So mm. they know that they're going to be coming to support us, you know, in celebrating this Asian coffee industry. Um, but also they're going to be supporting students in the Philadelphia school district who are so under-resourced because of these annual budget cuts. Mm -hmm. um, and they're only able to know that, um, not just through social media, but I think it, it, it lever we can leverage those honest conversations with them mm -hmm. at these mm -hmm. cafes or these pop-ups that we're having. Um, so yeah, having these really honest conversations with them and then building these organic relationships with them, I thought, was really helpful. Um, and then, you know, compared to Jen, like social media has been so important to us. Um, 
we have made sure to keep it updated. Um, having these press releases um, published on our feed created this credibility that other, you know, followers or other organizations actually look for, although like some of them say, that's not important to us. But really, if they're going to go into your page, they're going to look for something that makes you seem credible. Um, so making sure to post that, making sure that we're posting on our Instagram stories like pretty frequently every single day um, and documenting processes, I think is yeah. really cool. Um, not just like a picture of like, a coffee. I think yeah. people really appreciate the process. Like, what totally. are you doing every day? What am I actually supporting? Um, what do you, you know, like, what is the process? Uh, they want to trust the process, right? And in order to trust the process, they have to know what's behind the process. Well, I think it's, I think it's a uh, very symbolic that you're in the coffee industry and the process of creating coffee is very similar to the process of entrepreneurship where you could do a slow drip um, and you have to find the, 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 uh, the grains and the coffee beans and things like that. And you have to grind it, put it in something, let it drip. And then that is meticulous as well. So that's, that's definitely something that I love what you said. And, and I'm very appreciative of your honesty. I want to end the conversation with something that is near and dear to both of you. And that is community. And to you mentioned it briefly about the things that you're doing for the inner city youth and students within the Philadelphia uh, Kensington region. Um, but can you just tell us just very brief a little bit more about what it is that you're doing uh, for the community and why it's so important? Yeah, so <clears throat> we, you know, one reason why that Cafe Roasters was started was to become the social enterprise for 12 plus. And with any nonprofit, they're going to be constantly struggling to sustain themselves financially. Um, so we're trying to create, you know, a good amount of revenue so that we can funnel money into the nonprofit so that they can actually do the work that they're, they do so well at in the schools. And I know this from firsthand experience because I worked at the schools at Kensington School for two years. Um, you know, and then the schools were doing the entire college and career access for the students. And we're not working with just seniors, we're working with every single student who's in the schools. Um, and we're running programs like freshman transition programs, college readiness workshops, job readiness workshops, financial literacy workshops, and all an extension of the guidance counselors so that they can focus on the social emotional issues that the student, their families, the community is you know, constantly struggling with. So it's a very holistic model in conjunction with this, you know, relationship with the counselor. And um, we want to make sure that the people in the schools that are employed by 12 plus can do more of that work, can reach more students, can enter more schools and scale into more schools um, by creating like this really cool coffee business that people are really interested in because there's this culture behind Vietnamese coffee where you're making this coffee that takes about four minutes to drip. Um, so you're forced to be very present with the coffee, to be present with the person across from you, to be present with your environment. Um, and it forces conversation. So you're engaging with the people and I've 
really like to be honest i've really noticed this when people are coming into our roastery and even kai who you work with right and he's came into our roastery and we made coffee for him and we sat for like two hours <laughs> it really forces you to talk you know because you know this is going to take a while let's just talk mm-hmm. and there's that level of engagement that we think is really necessary um and we really want to highlight and promote and you know, celebrate that isn't really done so in these other coffee shops where you're just going in, Absolutely. grabbing the cup of coffee, buying your bag of Be beans, there. and then yeah. bouncing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that community engagement in, through our coffee, as well as, you know, making sure that people who are purchasing our coffee and supporting us know that they're supporting the Kensington <laughs> neighborhood in a way as well, because eventually the students will be employed at the roastery, they'll be yeah running the roastery they're going to be roasting the coffee very know, packaging nice. the coffee so awesome very well said eloquently said um and and jen we'll just uh we'll end end with your social mission you're actually wearing a t-shirt right now that says something along the lines of like do good or or i can't necessarily see it but be it good to people. okay there you go be good to people yeah. yeah which fundamentally is probably the easiest thing that we could ever do um, unfortunately, some people like to make it extremely difficult. So could you just uh, close out by saying your social mission and all the things that you're doing in your sense and belief in community and why you've invested so much time uh, in, in terms of years and energy uh, in order to grow your community? Yeah. So um, my, my macro intention for life is to empower and inspire as many people as possible to know that they're capable and worth more than they ever thought was possible. And beyond, I mean, everywhere you go, no matter what socioeconomic background uh, or education level, level, unfortunately, we have a world filled with pain. Um, and, and a lot of people don't need to be in the pain that they're in because there's tools to get out of that pain. And so I walk around the world thinking about this toolbox that I have to help people get out of pain and maximize their potential to live a life with more happiness and inner peace. And um, that's teaching as many people as, uh, as many people as possible emotional intelligence. Um, it's teaching people how to control their mind so much of the pain that people are in are just these negative thoughts running over and over and over again in their own mind that they could actually change. Uh, so with my work, not only do I have my direct community that I teach all these people emotional intelligence to, and then I teach other teachers to go spread my mission of that information, um, but I do a lot of um, seminars and trainings with uh, nonprofits like Back on My Feet or um, Career Wardrobe or Dress for Success, where it's teaching people that maybe didn't have the resources and couldn't pay for a personal development workshop how to have these tools to better their lives. Knowledge is so powerful. And if you could just suggest something as simple as nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. Something that simple can transform somebody's entire life significantly almost overnight or hurt people hurt people. So many people are walking around the world upset about things that have happened to them through their lives by other people being mean to them. When in reality, if you change the perspective and realize 
that person was mean to you and bullied you because they were unhappy within themselves, it changes the perspective and it changes the power. Um, and so I'm fortunate and blessed that because of what I do for a living, especially as a speaker, I am in these fundraising nonprofit uh, event experiences almost you know, every other day of my life. Being able to support and, and be in the mix of what communities need more help, how can I how can I impart wisdom on people to get them out of their own pain and give them more tools to maximize their potential? Very good. Beautifully said. Everything that you guys said today has been absolutely inspiring, amazing, and it's really good to be able to talk to each of you and hear your stories. The last thing is very simple. Can you tell everybody a little bit more about where they can find you and the website, um, maybe an event that you may be going to or speaking out. Jen, I'd like to start with you. Just where can people find you? Um, so I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, just my name, Jen Gruber. Um, my website is my name too. Um, but I constantly post the events I'm speaking at. I constantly post video content uh, as well as um, articles, suggested articles, suggested videos to just get more access to this information that's curated. Uh, so I'm very accessible through social media. That's the best way to, to con connect with me. And as a, a brief testimonial, I have heard Jen speak and she is absolutely awesome. So if you have an opportunity and you're able to see her speak, uh, definitely go out and do that too. Uh, where can people find a little, a little bit more about you and also Cafe? So you guys can find us at um, our social media channels. So we're most active on Instagram and Facebook, um, but you can also find more information in about two weeks um, on our website because oh, that's snap. when our, our e-commerce, yeah, our e-commerce <laughs> will be launched by then. Um, we're working on a custom final packaging. So just waiting on that to be finished and then e-commerce will launch along with our website. Um, and we have regular pop-ups uh, throughout the city. So we love doing pop-ups. We don't kind of like to be very stagnant and stationary. So we're going into little pockets of Philadelphia and doing pop-ups. Um, so this weekend, actually, we're doing a pop-up at Row House Grocery um, in East Passyunk. And then we're doing a pop-up at the Rail Park um, in Cowell Hill in Chinatown this Sunday. So they can always come to these pop-ups to get full-size beverages, um, learn more about us, um, test our product, um, give us feedback, which is always helpful. Um, yeah. Very cool. And all the links will be on the website and in the show notes so people can find more about you. I'd like to give a special thank you to all the people that are still watching, uh, even, even though we've been talking so, about so many gr great things. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And all the people who are going to be watching us on the replay, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I also want to give a special shout out and thanks to our guest. Awesome job. Amazing conversation. And, uh, and again, all the information will be in the show notes. This webinar was brought to you by Penji. We provide on-demand graphic design support to businesses, startups, and marketing teams. Um, and so if you do need any form of on-demand graphic design support, we'd love for you to check out penji.co. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.